Hey friends, I'm Ash. I'm Elle. We're Levy Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. And we went to our first in-person event since February of 2020 over the weekend. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre. It was so weird. Because we legit haven't been anywhere since C2E2 2020. Yep. Nowhere. <laughs> It was good, though. We got to see some people that we haven't seen in a long time and meet some new people. And Yeah, Wigwig Cosplay came up to visit, and we had randomly decided a few weeks ago, oh, why don't we go to this small event in Peoria, Illinois? Because why not? So we went to QuadCon in Peoria, and we ended up helping them out with their contest a little bit. And I somehow ended up emceeing, which, if I sound funny, that's because I haven't publicly spoke in way over a year, and my voice is a little dead. Not only that, but then we also got interviewed for one of the panels, like, right after that, so it was a lot of talking. That's true, the professors were also there, so we did a panel with them towards the end of the event, but if my voice sounds even close to how it feels right now, I can only assume I sound a little bit like some sort of frog character or like <laughs> a raspy old man. I'm not sure which one a right now. raspy old man. I'm really not sure because my, my voice took a beating because I'm out of practice. Your throat does have muscles in it that need to be conditioned. And they were not. <laughs> and they were not. <laughs> they were not. No. Do you need to do warm-up exercises next time? Yeah, I guess so. We're just, it's funny how, like, you don't realize how out of practice you are for so many things, because I also forgot about all the sensory overload that happens at events, and I didn't bring any of my stuff to be prepared for it, and I'm completely out of conditioning for that, too, so, you know, that's fun. It did not help that we were in, like, a legitimate convention center, too, with the super high ceilings, Um, so there was just that, like, crowd noise everywhere <laughs> well i will never understand why events feel like they need to blast music on top of like the noise from the crowd and then you will always still have somebody on a microphone also yelling things well because they had they had the pa mic they had the mic in the panel corner and then they also had a megaphone <laughs> there was a lot <laughs> it was um, a rough time for my sensory system because I did not bring my noise-canceling earbuds with me because I forgot that I need those sometimes when I'm at particularly these smaller events where you're in the dealer's room the entire time. Like, at a normal con, you're not typically... Like, at a three-day, you're not typically in that space for the entire time so I don't always need them but at smaller events usually I do and I completely forgot about it because it's been since February of 2020 that we have done anything with people <laughs> it's also one of those situations like I'm sure that everybody has somebody in their family like this where you're like talking and then other people are also wanting to hold on a conversation so then they talk louder and then the other people talk louder and then just everybody's like yelling at each other <laughs> it reminded me a lot of that i mean i couldn't understand a word anyone was saying because my i can't i can't do it if there's more that if there's multiple noises going on i don't hear anything i just hear noise so it's which is somewhat what the earbuds help with is they help filter out some of the background so you can hear what's in your foreground but i forgot them I still made it. 
My throat hurts, though. You survived. <laughs> I have a sore throat from doing the thing, but it was a good time. It was nice. Yeah, it was a good warm-up to going back to doing events again and being around people. And it is really weird to be around people where, like, 50-50 mask and no mask because Illinois lifted their mask mandate, so the event did not require them. Um, so that was really strange, too. Yeah, because they're going by the CDC stuff that says that if you've been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear one. So then there's no real way to police that. So some a lot of people did wear them, but a lot of people didn't. I, mean, I ended up having to pull mine down when trying to MC because there was just too much noise and I couldn't get loud enough on the microphone. But I was also like four, four to five feet away from any other human being. So... With, like, really, really, really tall ceilings. It's like, well, I'm fully vaccinated. I should be okay. But the rest of the event, I wore it because I don't trust people. Yeah, I pretty much just took mine off when I was eating. Although I'm kind of down for masks anyway at con because I don't really want to get con crud. I know. Like, having gone this long without actually getting, like, a cold or something, I'm like, huh, this is amazing. (laughs) Let's keep doing this. Yeah, the only things I've had are allergy-related, which I'm pretty sure my allergies are going bonkers because it's like 95 degrees in the Midwest right now, um, and then it keeps dropping down to like 50-something at night, so. Have you seen the the memes floating around Facebook that say the Illinois weather sounds like road directions? Yes. Like 55 to 90-94? It, it does because <laughs> it can't make, it, the Midwest cannot make up its mind as to what season we're in, and it's killing me. I know, I had to wear, like, a jacket last week, and I'm like, why is this? <laughs> Ayo, I can't, I can't handle it. So I'm sure part of my sore throat is also my allergies being really bad right now, uh, because we were outside, and I haven't been outside in, like, forever, because I don't go outside much. I'm not a fan of the sun, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I get too much sun, then I don't feel good. Of course, you know, that's a thing sometimes. Yeah. But we went, we did it. It was interesting. It was good to see Wigwig. We missed them. Yeah. They came to hang out, and then we just kind of dragged them with. So they got suckered into this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. That's all right. It was fun. It was a a good warm-up to getting back on stage and doing things, because we also haven't, like, done a legit performance since ICL preliminaries in 2019. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) it's weird to think about not together you did one at c2e2 that's right i did one by myself at c2e2 but it's been since 29 like it's been since over a year i mean yeah it's it's been a really long time (laughs) well and as of now which we're recording this in june which it's gonna air in july um we also did not forget about pride we just forget when things air so happy pride to everybody yes my forgetful ass forgets that our stuff typically airs a month after we record it. <laughs> I mean, it was designed that way, but yeah, sometimes it's hard to pay attention to that like disconnect of what is time. Well, and I'm pretty really- sure we had the same problem last year, too. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, by the way, because we forgot to say it before. Yeah. I think there's only like 
one episode where I actually paid super close attention to the air date and made a relevant comment, but then I think we had to push the episode back, so it didn't even matter. Well, I always... I, I... was trying really hard to make sure we actually did Pride releasing in June, and I did. I did. I I screwed it up. Still, guys, so I apologize, y'all. But happy belated Pride. It's also kind of a weird Pride because I currently have heard of zero events in my area, so it's a little strange. I've seen some stuff on Facebook posted, but a lot of the big Pride events got canceled because yeah. of COVID. I don't think ours is happening. Yeah, a lot of the really big events got canceled back in, like, February, March, um, because even though the vaccine was rolling out, they just didn't want to take any risks with it. I I have seen some smaller Pride-type events floating around Facebook. None of the normal, like, really big stuff, though. No, so it's, it's a little... Because they make a big deal out of it, oddly enough, in my area, as small as it is um, in downtown, but I don't think it's happening this year. Yeah, might have to push first Pride event to like next year or something. Because I had friends who wanted to go, but there isn't one (laughs) to go to. So Maybe next year. Maybe next year. We'll actually have something to talk about during Pride Month. (laughs) We'll just have to like plan ahead. (laughs) Right? What is planning ahead? There's no planning ahead. We don't know how to do that. This is fine. Well, and I'm always like... Wanting to go, especially because so many of our friends perform during the yes. Pride event. And, yes. And none of them are obviously doing that this year. So it's kind of like, oh, I probably would have gone this year, but it doesn't really exist. So I can't. There's there's always <laughs> next year. The show there's must go on. always next year. Well, speaking of the show going on, we've had requests for more performance-related episodes. I'm excited to find out that a lot of you are interested in the performance aspect of competing because it does tend to get pushed to the wayside. So we decided to fit in another episode on performing. Um, What we're going to talk about in this episode is the typical types of performances and how to make them successful and some things that you may want to avoid. Which, obviously, you are all adults and can make your own decisions for yourself. We're kind of going to go through um, sort of like in theater how there's certain things where like "Mm, you may or may not want to audition with that song or that monologue. There are things like that in the performance aspect of competing where it's like, "Mm, you may want to avoid that, but we'll get to it. We have grouped performances into three types of common categories. The musical theater or song performance, the dance performance, or the skit comedy and drama performance. (laughs) These are your kind of your common things. The performances that you typically would see. Because we're trying to figure out like how do we group them together. This was the best way that I could think of. And we're going to start with... Our personal favorite, the musical theater slash singing skit. I know you were all shocked. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> we love doing musical skits. This should not be a surprise if you've ever seen us perform. Well, and even just stuff that we've talked about, like our inner soundtracks. Yes. In the back of our brains. Yes. Um, how frequently we break into song. Yes. Yes. 
It's true. We're suckers for musical theater skits. It's just, they're catchy. They're fun. Like, people typically will relate to them either through, like, the song itself or the source material. You can parody them. They're typically catchy. They usually work great within that two minute and 30 second time period you get. There's just so many wonderful options in the musical theater realm. Yes. And it's also great for solos, which is a huge, huge plus. Yeah, because there are a ton of really good uh, Broadway type solos. Because it sucks to be on stage by yourself. I'm not going to lie. It's hard to fill an (laughs) entire stage by yourself. Yes. Yes, it is. There's not very many people that can do it really well. No. If you're trying to do a skit by yourself. It, It doesn't happen frequently. So the music really helps set the mood and fill the space and almost acts like a second performer for you, which is really nice. I could see that. Yeah. Because I would not. I mean, I've done monologues before as an actor. Monologues are boring. Yeah. We're going to talk <laughs> about that um, when we get to the uh, comedy and drama skit or your straight up scripted performance. Um, yeah. Monologues are boring to watch and they're boring to do. Yeah. You. You better be pretty freaking talented or your monologue is not a good choice for you. But, <laughs> All right, but back to musicals. <laughs> but back to musicals. What I really like about music, and you can use music even if you are doing like spoken word as well, is it helps set the mood and the environment for you because you only have two minutes and 30 seconds to set this up, which is not a lot of time. And so it's really hard to do your skit and get whatever necessary exposition that you need in during that time frame. So music's definitely one of the ways that you can quickly set the scene. Also, if you can sing, you actually performing the song could be a boost to your performance score. I say if you actually can sing, which we will cover... (laughs) Don't force yourself to do it if you don't have, if you can't sing that particular song, it's better to use the actual vocal track than to butcher it. Well, and you can use the actual track, like that's fine. Um, America is really the only place where people record their own audio. Most other countries will use the exact audio from the movie or play or whatever that they're doing. They don't make their own. Frequently. Yeah, frequently. It's just us that are weird that feel like we have to go the extra mile and record our own audio. Yeah, I mean, you could have just stopped it. It's just us that are weird. It is. It's it's just America. (laughs) It's just the United States. America. That thinks you have to do this. Everywhere else, you can just use the audio from the actual show and it's fine. But if you are choosing to do a musical theater or singing, even if you you are actually singing, you still have to remember that you have to act. So that's always something to keep in mind. If you're not going to be able to move and sing, then that's probably not going to be a great choice for you either. Unless you have one of those costumes that just has the stage presence by itself to take up the entire stage, you're going to need to move around the stage. Okay. The only one I can think of where you could legit just go up there and just sing, and I'm going to remember what show it's from, but it's one of the space shows and the character who's obviously like extraterrestrial is singing opera oh the fifth element fifth element you can go if you're if you're doing that you can go up there and just stand there that's fine 
Yes. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> also, if you're doing that, I would love to see you record that, especially if you sang it by yourself, because, oh my god, that scene. If I remember right, though, you actually cannot sing that song. I think it has to be tuned digitally, because some of the notes... I've, there is somebody that can do it, because I've seen a video before, but my understanding is most people cannot sing that song. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I could not sing that song. It's not a thing. We are also going to talk about some things you may want to avoid, because what we're hoping this is going to help you with is figure out what type of performance may play to your strengths. So musical theater, if you are an animated person who can lip sync well, who can use their stage, this may be a good option for you. Um, this is probably your safest option, honestly is doing something in the musical realm or something that already has audio that exists. It's kind of a nice starting point. But we're going to go back to singing your own performance. Now, we do sing our own performances, but we can carry a tune. We do get our stuff auto-tuned sometimes, but auto-tune is not going to save you. So, like, the disconnect with auto-tune is people think that you can just run a uh, vocal track through auto-tune and it magically makes it better. That's not how it works at all. That's not how it works. No, it just evens you out, but it can't fix bad vocals. So I kind of see it a lot similarly to um, when we're talking about craftsmanship and there's things you're like, yeah, I could make this or I could buy it or I could do this the long and hard way. Or I could take the shortcut. Well, if doing it the long and hard way or if, you know, making this thing that you wouldn't necessarily make from scratch, if you can do that well, it's going to benefit you overall because that just adds another layer of complexity to your costume. But if you make this thing you didn't really need to make and you butcher it, it's going to bring your overall score down because you butchered it. It's, I mean, vocals are the same thing. Very same concept. There are also songs to avoid. Just like in the theater realm, there are songs and monologues to avoid. There are songs that have been done to death on the cosplay competition stage for over 10 years. Yes. Including I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. Please stop. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that song. But every single time I think of this song in relationship to Masquerades, it goes to that one ASEN we went to where there were two of them less than five minutes apart in the lineup. And I was like, what? There was one that was the literal translation and there was one that was a parody, but it was still the same song. Well, and popular from Wicked is another one. Anything you can do, I can do better from Sunny uh, Get Your Gun, right? Anything you can do, I can do better. Um, Greatest Showman has had a run for a while, but it's typically only two songs. To be fair, that's a really good musical. I know. It's a wonderful <laughs> musical. Yeah. But we did see someone do the the title song with like color guard flags, and that was yeah, that awesome. Was, that was really cool. That's the only time I've seen any... That I think that's the only time I've actually seen color guard. Yes. I don't think I've seen color guard on stage before, but that was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was really good. And yes, 
the road to freaking El Dorado. Why? Like every year, at least one of the international competitions has a Road to El Dorado skit in it, and it's the same skit every time. Yeah, because it's the it's the scene where they like become the gods. Yes. Every time. Every time. Like, yeah, it's and we've been to multiple masquerades where someone has done that skit too. It's yeah, just, one of the last masquerades that we performed in, somebody did that, and I'm just like, oh look, it's this like, like you see the costumes and you know exactly what's gonna happen. Exactly. It's just like, okay. You're like, yeah, it's great, but I'm bored with it. Yep, like do something we've, else. <laughs> we've been there. We've done this. Do you guys have anything else you could do? Well, and then the other one is let it go with Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. And doing the dress change. Well, that's because costume change, uh, quick changes have become a super popular gimmick in the past. But when you've five, already seen the exact same dress change 500 times, it's well, not as exciting anymore. It's it's really not. Like, I want to say the ECG one that they did, I think it was European Cosplay Gathering, where they started with um, Love is an Open Door. Yeah, they did a medley. That was kind of cute. And they did a medley, and then they switched to let it go. Like, I love that. But then, you know... For a while there, it was almost every masquerade we went to, there was an Elsa singing Let It Go, or it was both sisters singing the reprise. Yes. To do, you, I can't even remember. It was a do you want to build a snowman? Yes. Yeah, we've been to a few masquerades where there's been Anna and Elsa doing that song as well. No more Frozen for a while, friends. Let's take a break. You can sing the new songs. Yeah, the new Frozen songs. I really want somebody to get on stage and do Lost in the Woods because <laughs> it's like an 80s love ballad. Right? And that would be amazing. Speaking of singing departed love ballads, we need to also talk about one of our least favorite things ever, and that is stage karaoke. So like when we were talking about earlier about how you have to act on stage and you have to move, don't just get up there and sing. Like unless your character like literally does that, even then, that's really boring just to watch. Stage karaoke has been a thing since we started, and it's every con will have it, but someone will come up on stage, the opening or ending song of a specific anime that matches their costume is going to start playing, and they're going to poorly lip sync as they stand in the middle of the stage for their two and a half minutes, doing the opening or ending song of the anime that they're dressed as. Um, yeah, a lot of times. I mean, that's, that's been a thing since, like, 2000. Forever. Yeah, that's been a thing since forever. Move. Work it. Like, okay, perfect example. And I've seen this done several times. Stage karaoke with Jessica Rabbit. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time. That's a great, like, fun song to do in that particular costume. But not if you're standing in one place with a microphone. Like, work the stage. Get it. (laughs) I mean, she doesn't stand in one place in the movie. You still have to act. You really still have to act if you're not physically singing on stage, and most conventions are not going to let you, and most people are not going to be vocally trained enough to do so. Well, and if you are one of those people, still move. Yeah. Still act on stage. Emote your emotions with your face. Even if one hand is tied to the microphone, you can still walk around, use your body language, and your other arm. Like, you are not stuck concrete in this one spot. Even if you are tethered to a mic that 
has a cord on it, you have a little bit of a range of motion and you can at least move your body around. These had been so popular at one point in time that they are why you'll see a lot of conventions now have karaoke contests. Yes. Because they don't want this during their performance contest. Well, they'll have karaoke contests and a lot of them now have lip sync contests. Sometimes they're combined. But they're trying to separate that because that's not the type of performance they're actually looking for for their overall contest. Well, and then throwing it back to like Frozen and Road of El Dorado, you also want to take into consideration for any of these if you're pulling directly from your source material. Because somebody else may show up with the exact same thing. Um, I've seen it happen with Hunchback of Notre Dame with Hellfire. Which is a great song. (laughs) The Road to El Dorado, Frozen, Mulan. Colossal Con one year was the greatest showman show. Uh, yes. And the, the but thing about that, though... But they all did different though, songs. They all... There were, like, four... <laughs> three or four of them, and they all did different songs. I was so impressed. Yeah, but it was. It was The Greatest Showman Show, which was really entertaining. But you do have to consider that there's a higher probability that if you show up with something like that, that someone else may also show up with it. So that's something you have to take into consideration. Especially if it's popular right now. Yes. Like, the older it gets, like, the more leeway you get with that. But if it's something that just came out or they just did a remake of it, there is a greater chance of somebody else showing up with the same thing. And not all contest directors will tell you if that happens Oh yeah, ahead of time. So we're saying you can't do these. Just think about what's going to make it special. Yes. Because you do have a higher probability of someone else showing up with the same thing. You know, you'll also every once in a while get the, like... Oh, well, you copied my friend's performance. Well, not really, because they also did this super common song that we copied directly from the movie. (laughs) But it's definitely something to consider because obviously you're getting judged against all the contestants anyway, but there's going to be another level of comparing if you and another entry did the same thing. Yeah, like you were dressed in the same costumes and you were doing the exact same skit. There's, There's no way not to compare the two of you to one another directly. So if you feel like your strengths lie in some overacting and music and movement, the musical performance may be for you. It could be, yes. Or maybe you have some training in dance and you want to try to do a dance performance instead. So the thing I will say about dance performances is they take a lot of work. I mean, just like... You have to train your voice. You have to train your body to do muscle memory for these particular dance moves. If you have a dance background, that's great. It's probably going to come a lot easier to you. If you don't, you're going to have to work much, much harder to get caught up to anybody else that does have that dance background. Yeah, having the basics down will make a dance performance a lot easier to execute because there are just a lot of simple basics that you may not be aware of if you don't have any basic like stage movement or dance training you can use someone else's choreography but you're still gonna need like the basic skills of dance to pull it off it's super awesome if you actually can do your own choreography well but just like singing do it well yeah just like anything else do it well and be sure to outline yes i did this you know or i used this video and copied this or I had to I copied part of it directly but then I made up you know 
50% of it, what have you. Just be honest with your directors and your judges. Don't copy choreography like step for step from America's Got Talent and then be like, oh, yeah, I totally choreographed this all by myself. Really? Did you? Well, and dance can be a great option for a solo as well. I would actually argue that dance is a lot. A lot of dance skits are better with solos. Yes. Because, again, it's if you can do it well, but then you multiply that the more people that you have. (laughs) The hard part about any performance that's heavily choreographed is you need a lot of time to rehearse. So if you can't rehearse your choreography, it's not going to look great. There are people who can rehearse separately and then make it go. I know there are. But in most cases, you're probably going to need to practice with your other performers. Preferably in front of a mirror, for those of you that have never done dance before, so that you can see everybody at the same time as you're going. Because if somebody's off by like half a beat, it's going to throw the whole thing off. So definitely keep in mind that you're going to need to factor in rehearsing you are going to do anything that is relatively heavily choreographed, which I think is the main thing that people skip anyway in performances, is they don't rehearse them. I would argue yes. Now, when you've been together as long as we have, we can sometimes get away with that. I mean, not rehearsing heavily. Sometimes but we, we get do, away with. But we do a lot of planning around rehearsing where we talk about space and choreography so we can rehearse separately and then we don't have to rehearse as much together which and a lot of people have to do that I know that there are plenty of teams that live halfway across the country from each other and not just an hour from each other like we do where they have to plan things out ahead of time rehearse separately and then you know binge rehearse in the hotel room or what have you or the hallway on the third floor of the Hyatt well when we rehearsed with Wigwig for our Sailor Villain skit, it was a combination of in-person and recorded videos. So we could yes. see what each other was doing and give feedback on how that was going to work. Which worked well because we had some parts that we had choreographed all together and then we had other parts that were choreographed separately. So that worked out well in that particular way. Yeah, I purposely designed the choreography for that skit so that it could be practiced mostly without all of us together. Since we are six hours apart and we knew that wasn't going to be super practical. But we still had at least three or four in-person rehearsals before ColossalCon. So we took turns making the drive to make that happen. So keep it in mind, the more people you have, the more rehearsal you're going to need. Which brings up my probably least favorite thing about competitions. I'm sorry, friends, but the Love Live skits get me every time. There's so many. And not in a good way. And they're typically not in a good way, unfortunately. I have seen like a whole group once and it actually was pretty stunning. Um, But most of the time what you're getting is one person who's only doing the choreography for their one girl. So there's a lot of standing still because they didn't combine the choreography together. Yes. And then it just looks really off. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think... I think in all of the skits that I've seen where they've had a large group of people, um, there was probably one group where everybody was perfectly in sync. And you could tell that they danced together frequently. And I think that they did. I think they were all friends that they made their own little idol group and decided that this is what they want to do. 
Well, and this is also why now you have separate dance competitions for K-pop and idol groups as well as because it's a completely different ballgame. Yes. From what you're expecting in a cosplay competition. Well, and make sure that everybody's invested in it, too, if you're going to have a larger group, because I've seen a lot of groups, and they don't even necessarily have to be large groups, with maybe like three or four people where you can tell who's really into what they're doing, and everybody else is just kind of there to be a part of it, but not really kind of into what's going on. So if you are going to try to solo a Love Lives uh, performance, try combining some of the girls' choreography together so that you'll get this nice, cohesive performance because I will say one of my favorites was when um, Jilvian cosplay did the train girl, as we like to call her, train girl. We have no idea who the Love Live characters are, so I just call her train girl. But it was adorable because she combined choreography from multiple girls to get this full dance performance. Yes, you should not be standing like in place for one moment. If you are going to solo a skit like that, where there's normally you know, three, four, five groups that are acting separately, always, always, always do the lead's choreography. Don't stick to just your particular character. Like, whatever the lead person for that particular section of the song is doing, you do that. That will make your performance so much more interesting to watch for your audience. It's all about putting on a good show. Well, and then there's also a flip side where sometimes you'll get people who show up to do a dance performance that are just in some random anime-esque costume, and the performance doesn't match the character at all because they don't probably even know the character. They just wanted to compete as a dancer. I've seen that happen. I have seen that happen, yes. Um, And that's very, there's like, as for me as a judge, I feel like there's a really big disconnect with that. It's weird to me, especially if they like really don't know what they're playing and they're doing this like really sexy poppy thing and it doesn't match this character at all like it's just it's very off-putting to me as a judge it may not be for other people I would say it just kind of depends on what's going on I've seen some done where the particular person just wanted to perform so they put a costume on but they did a super spectacular really dramatic job and it was it was great Um, And I've seen other ones where they just put on, like, cute, fun outfits and did a cute, fun little happy-type dance. But, I mean, I would have never expected that particular character set to get on stage and dance. Like, technically, they did a great job at dancing. I mean, it's not my thing, but it doesn't mean it's not somebody else's. I mean, we've also seen people do it with live singing, too, that have allowed people to sing. Oh, I'm doing this performance because technically you know especially if you have separate performance tracks where you're only being judged on your particular performance they're like I want to do a performance but to be in the costume contest I have to wear a costume so this is what I'm doing but I do think that brings into another point that there are a lot of professional and semi-professional dance groups that will sometimes show up to especially larger conventions because they want just another stage to perform on Luckily, some of those places I've seen actually recruit those performers into doing like halftime shows. So they're not directly competing against the rest of the cosplayers all the time. I can think of at least a half a dozen conventions we've been to in the last couple of years where there's been at least a semi-pro dance group that's shown up either for, you know, K-pop or what have you. Well, I think that's why a lot of conventions started the idol competitions Mm -hmm. to give them a more even playing field. So that you're going up against like performances and it's not just all of this 
And you don't have these professional dancers going against other people that aren't dancing. Well, yeah, you've got hobbyists against professionals, and that's where it starts to get a little complicated. And most cons, their performance track isn't big enough to split it by levels either. Typically. Could be competing against a very large variety of ability, which makes it a little bit tough. Especially because I've seen some conventions, their performance tracks are actually based off of your... Um, not your performance level, but your craftsmanship level. They so. pretty much all are, which is, is a whole nother topic of discussion that that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's a story for another it day. It is a story for another day because that makes zero sense. But, yes. you know. We are left then with the free-for-all, the scripted performance known as the more traditional skit, either in comedy or drama. So this is going to look like a short play. Typically, there's a script involved. Um, it's written out performance. It might be directly from the source material. It might be something that was written. This is going to be your hardest performance to pull off. Yes. This is going to heavily rely on your acting ability and your writing ability. These do not work for solos <laughs> unless you are a very specific type of person. Yeah, not particularly well. No, that would be a monologue, which I don't recommend. No. Monologues are typically kind of boring to watch. And they're boring to do. They are very hard to pull off. Typically, your audience is not a traditional theater audience, so they aren't going to get the appreciation of the monologue, usually. And unless your performance judges have a theater appreciation for theater or a theater background they're probably not gonna get your performance either well and that's what makes this format hard in general is it's a very specific style or can be especially when it's a drama and that can be the hardest to convince the judges of if they aren't experienced in performance um, because judges who ha lack experience in performance tend to rely on audience reaction and audience is less likely to react to drama than comedy the silence is the reaction but the judges may not understand that yes the silence should be the appropriate reaction to a lot of drama situations but again if you are relying on you know cheers and laughs from the audience you're not going to get that in a dramatic skit the other really hard part about written skits is how you can get really lost in the exposition because you are writing it out. You only have so much setup you can do. I mean, you can put usually a little bit in your introduction from the MC. Music, we said earlier, is definitely going to help you out with this um, for kind of setting the scene, um, the mood as far as what's going on. If you can swing having set pieces or props, this can help you a little bit more. But remember, you only have like two, two and a half, three minutes to tell a story from beginning to end. That's that's hard to do and fully explain what's going on to your audience so that they understand. Background music can also be very handy in setting that tone so you don't have to verbally set it. Mm -hmm. um, but these these are hard and we have done these before. It's much easier to write a parody than it is to write a skit from scratch. Well, and adding to our exposition in one of our skits, um, like one line changed us from getting a judge's choice at one con to best in show at another. Yeah, because we didn't have enough exposition the first time we did it. Yeah, we added one line of material and that was all the difference it took. Yes. So these take a lot more workshopping to really make sure that they're working. We do recommend if you're doing like a straight skit that you share it with people. 
Yes. So that they can tell you whether or not it's making sense. Preferably somebody that doesn't know your source. That's in general. Like, share it with someone who doesn't know your source, because it's going to help. All right. I'm going to explain this to you, or here, read this, or what have you, and have them explain it back to you. And if they can't, then maybe you need to work on it. Well, and like I've said, we've done these before a few times. I do say that we don't get as many ideas for these anymore. The musical skits are just more fun. Yes, it, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it is just that is. It's more fun to do a musical skit. <laughs> we find them more entertaining to do. We we do enough spoken word things and like slightly pre-planned improv with emceeing that when we compete, we like to do the musical skit thing instead. Yeah, it's just something different. Well, and honestly, the written skits were all we did for years. So switching over to something different, um, like musical skits as just you know something else to do has been really refreshing by comparison we really just started those not that long ago in the grand scheme of things well i think really the the sailor moon skit that we did with wigwig was the first time we did like an actual musical musical skit that was 2017 the first time we did something like that I mean, we've done them since then because they're super fun. But our competing has also been super slow. So it always seems like, oh, we should have done all these other... Oh, wait, no, we haven't because COVID and we're slow competers because we hit like one con in a year. Even when we were doing a lot of exhibition stuff, I mean, outside of whenever we used to help out um, and do some of the comedy stuff for like our, our friends you know, 18 plus show, we, we, we did some musical stuff there and it was super fun. Besides that, though, it's all been spoken. So what are some things you need to know about doing these kind of skits? The cop-out, the one that typically happens, the one that is sometimes problematic, is the use of slapstick and crude humor to get an easy laugh out of your audience. Yeah, if you are not the Three Stooges, don't do this. See, as a trained actor, I've always been taught that like using crude humor and cursing and everything is like a cop-out. That if you're good at what you do, you shouldn't have to resort to that. And I like doing me some slapstick. I'm not going to lie, but there's a there's a way to do vaudeville well. And then there's a way to do it where you're just like, oh my gosh, why? If you're doing it to get just a reaction out of people, um, and I'll say this for anything, there's a lot of things that we see in skits that recur a lot. And like you said, this is one of them where people do it just to get a reaction out of the audience. But it's not always a good reaction i mean if you're relying on that then i don't i wouldn't do it personally people laugh when they're uncomfortable as well yes now the judges may not know that that laughter is uncomfortable versus like audience reaction of enjoyment but people will laugh when they're uncomfortable and they don't know how else to react yes people do that in real life too (laughs) i can remember there was one skit where it was a copy of like the same character and they literally beat each other up for three minutes and yeah, people were laughing because it was like just kind of weird and ridiculous. So they were laughing because it was like, oh, this is hysterical. But then it kept going. I Similarly, I can think of one where there was a character in the particular game, they beat up an animal and then the animal rebelled against the character. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of slapsticky and it was kind of funny, but for like 30 seconds. And then they drew it out for the whole like two and a half minutes. And it's like, why did this not end two minutes ago? That one was really unfortunate because it would have been an amazing skit if it had been 30 seconds long. Yes. Because it got to the punchline right away. Yeah. But then it kept going. 
Yeah, it would have been great. As we've discussed before, you typically do not have to use all of your time unless otherwise required. Yeah, you do not have to use your whole time 99.9% of the time. And I about guarantee if you want an extension, you probably don't need it. There's probably a way to trim trim it down. The other one that you will typically see, you will typically see this at smaller conventions, is the inside joke skit, where only you and your friend group that are on stage actually understand the skit. You used to see this with Hatalia a lot, where there would be, and, and for some reason, these groups also rarely, if ever, brought recorded audio, so they would try to do their lines live with no mics on the stage. Which is really, really hard to do in a giant room with high ceilings that's, you know, full of people. But typically what these performances will look like is it's obviously a group of friends. They tend to be on the younger side, so more like the preteen, early teenage. And they are doing silly things together and jumping on each other and laughing and saying all these jokes. And the audience has no freaking idea what's going on. You should run your skit by somebody else to make sure that they know what's going on. Well, and we get it. You want to come and you want to have fun with your friends and go on stage. Maybe think about it. Maybe turn it into a TikTok instead because you're actually taking a spot from someone that wants to compete. I mean, if nobody else knows your inside joke, it's not funny to anybody else. Um, Similarly, if they have to know the source material to understand the punchline, then maybe you shouldn't do that either. Because even if it's super popular somebody in the audience is not going to have seen it. So you're not really performing for everybody. That's why we ended up having to add one line to our Sword Art Online skit. Just in case, at the height of Sword Art Online's popularity, one person in the room hadn't seen it yet and didn't know it was a video game. But it could happen, even though it was the height of the popularity of that particular show at the time. Still could happen. And just in general, like don't, don't do your audio live because it's not going to work out. And most places won't let you. They won't honestly. let you anyway because it's a liability because we can't yes. control what you're going to say. Yeah, as soon as, and honestly, recorded audio is so much better. Like, I remember the days of handheld mics on stage and drop mics. There was always something wrong with them and they were always awful. Cons want you to do recorded audio because it's better. But second, it also prevents you from saying things you shouldn't say on stage. Because yes. we have seen that happen. People have done it where they've run their like bit across and it was fine beforehand and then they go up and do their comedy bit and it's totally not appropriate. So most cons will not give you a live mic, one, because they don't want you to break it, but two, they want to be able to control what you say. Because it's typically a G-rated audience with the show itself being at most PG-13 and they want to make sure you don't say or do something inappropriate. The other thing you may or may not want to avoid, or you may want to use with discretion or selectiveness, is memes. Well, and this is a lot for the same reasons as we talked about with the inside jokes and the source material. Like, not everybody's necessarily gonna get it. I mean, that's also because we're old. Some, a lot of them do go over our heads because we have no idea about it. Well, but if you think about your average masquerade audience, you're gonna have an all-ages group. I mean, your G-rated kiddos and their don't even technically have permission to use the internet yet. Right. And then you're going to have people that are older than us in there. I so. mean, use memes with selectiveness. You can use the meme as like an added layer. And I, it's the same thing with the source material. Like if it's an added layer where 
yes, it's entertaining to everybody, but if you happen to know about this, it'll be more special or more entertaining. Like, that's fine. Don't rely your entire performance around it. Our Sword Art Online skit has a lot of that. Where, like, you don't need to know, but if you do know, it's even better. And the prince, yes. Who wants you to send him money. Yep. <laughs> yep. Speaking of memes, can just y'all stop rickrolling during <laughs> during contests? I can't anymore. That's been going on far too long. Can we just stop? Well, and the other one that I remember from back in the day was the was the Chappelle show. Whenever they, everybody would rock around the Hyatt, going okay. Oh well, yeah. There's always been people were doing just do it for a while in every single yes. walk on and performance. People still dab. Which I can't stand either because it's like, oh, look at this costume. Look how great they are during this walk-on. And then they dab at the end. And I'm like, why'd you do that? Why? <laughs> why did you have to ruin it? Like, why did you ruin this for me by dabbing? <laughs> like, why? Did, why? Why do you have to do this? Yup. Like, just stop. But yeah, don't rickroll us. It's old now. Well, and then there's some things to take into consideration with drama versus comedy, because drama is intrinsically more difficult. Not that comedy isn't difficult, because good comedy is also difficult, because it relies heavily on timing. Drama relies more on your ability to emote pure and difficult emotions. And to get a reaction out of your audience. And it's draining in another way. And you also can't rely on audience reaction to pump you up. Because yes. if you're doing it well, they should be quiet. Also, to be perfectly honest, dramatic skits just aren't as much fun. Well, and honestly, I could probably count the number of really, really quality dramatic skits that I've seen over the years on like one hand. Yeah, they're not. And even then, they still sometimes don't do well because the judges may not quite understand the quality that they just watched either well and i know we keep saying because the judges may not have known most conventions are not going to hire performers to do the performance judging due to logistics and it's understandable this typically comes from the fact that maybe you can only have 10 performance entries are you really going to want to pay for three extra judges to judge 10 entries they let whomever's judging craftsmanship also judge performance. And that can be a mixed bag. Sometimes you will have, I mean, you, you can find crafters who have performance backgrounds. Case in point. Yes. It's just whether or not the convention's <laughs> going to pay attention to that when they pick performance, when they pick judges. So sometimes you'll end up judged by people who don't really have the background to maybe understand some of these nuances, like what makes a good dramatic skit. Or makes like a really good dance performance because they just don't have the ex overall experience. And depending on the convention, it can be simple to figure out who is the best. So it really just kind of depends on the convention and the pool of contestants and then the judge's experience. That's going to be just the same with craftsmanship. Whenever you're building a craftsmanship judging team... Typically, you're going to look for something that's really well-rounded because not everybody can be a specialist at everything. That's just, it's impossible to be a master of literally every trade. So you typically try to people whose skill sets complement each other so that they can have productive conversations about craftsmanship as a whole, um, which is why you use a team versus like one person doing your judging. And it's it's going to be the same thing with 
your performance aspect is that not everybody is going to have the same skill set or knowledge or appreciation for different types of performances, which ideally you would get that same kind of variety. I've seen a couple of cons do this really well, where they'll bring in qualified performers to do things. Like Elle said, logistically and financially, it's not always possible, especially for something that's such a small part of the actual overall contest. Now, as a judge, I do enjoy a well-done dramatic skit. As a performer, they drain me like nobody's business. So they're not necessarily my favorite. I like my comedy, but true comedy relies all on timing. And you have to be really in sync with your stage partner for which, good solid comedy. Which, again, comedy. is going re- to require a lot of rehearsing together. Well, and dramas also do really well if you put music and stuff behind them, too, because that really helps you with setting the theme and winning over the audience, and it helps fill some of your space. But you can also try to fill your space with sets, which we are going to talk a little bit about sets as well, since they... Ooh, that was a done Thunder. Sets have gained popularity over probably the last 10 years. Not all conventions will allow them, but the purpose of a set is to enhance, not distract. Your performance should not be your set. Just like you don't want to rely on your costume to be your performance, your set should not be your entire performance. It should be elevating what you're doing and not taking away from it. And we've seen skits before where they bring these big elaborate sets and they're trying to do all these set tricks and there's so much going on that you have no idea what the actual performance is because they've got this massive set and they're doing all these different things and you're like what or they just bring this big thing on and then never use it the entire time yeah it's just kind of there and you're like why did you bring this on stage and you don't need a set like you might feel like you do but you don't no you don't have to have one We're used to having them, so I typically will have something, but you don't necessarily need to have a set to be able to compete. Most people still do not bring them. You will, however, need them for something like an international contest, but that's a completely different ballgame. And if you're listening to this, trying to jot down notes on all these things about performances, I'm guessing you're probably not there. So you will have to plan ahead for how you're going to get your set to the stage most conventions are not going to give you stage hands, but they also may not allow you to bring your own, so you need to take that into consideration. Yeah, if it's going to be one of those types of cons, you need to be sure that you can do it yourself. I know we've actually assisted with that at some other cons before, where other people needed help, and we're like, here, let us do this for you. But again, a lot of cons won't let you do that either. That was Colossal Con 2019. Yes, it was. We were everybody's set person. Yes, we helped somebody with their set. We helped somebody else with their cape. It was good. We went on on stage like four or five times. It became a joke for like the entire thing. It was. And we we got an award from one of the MCs for it. You also want to take in consideration that you need to be able to set that set really fast. A lot of cons don't give you setup time. Some of them will. So you need to check your rules for that to see as far as how much time they're going to give you to set up. But a lot of cons don't, and it just, whatever setup time you take counts towards your overall time. A good rule of thumb is if your set can't be set up before the MC would be done talking, then it's taking too long. So you've got a short And that does not mean write more. (laughs) No, it does not mean write more. It means 
You literally should have a set where someone brings it on, sets it, and walks off. And that's it. Because that's how much time you have. Now, again, internationals are different, but we're not talking about those. But they give you more time. But they also don't give you a stage hand. So. Well, and the other thing you're going to have to remember, too, is depending on what con you're at and what their particular area is like, are they going to have anywhere for you to store your set? Are you going to have to carry it around with you? Is there even going to be room for you to get your set from point A to point B? Is it going to fit through this doorway you need to go through? There's a lot of logistical factors that are involved. So if you're planning on using a set, I would definitely communicate with your coordinators ahead of time to try to find out how big the stage is. How do you get on and off the stage? Will there be helpers available? Can I bring a helper? Our favorite option is the rolling rack. Still to this day. I mean, it's just easy. It is because it has wheels and you just roll it on. <laughs> you just roll it on. I mean, that's literally how it works. <laughs> Although I do like the the PVC pipe frame because you can fold it down into something else. PVC pipe frames are just so much more customizable and you can make them 3D really easy. I think the next one that we design, I want to do like a combo of PVC and flat packing just for, for shiggles. I think that'll be good. I think flat pack would be great for flying to Spain. So yeah, it'd probably be a good plan, but definitely keep in mind if you're bringing one, you know, maybe check and see if you're going to have to drag it across a hotel, a convention center. There won't be any elevators and you're going to somehow have to get it up escalators that are super narrow. Yep. Hi, Omicron. <laughs> yeah. That was a nightmare. <laughs> now we know why everyone else stayed in the main hotel and not in the other one. Um, because the elevators are only for the hotel. Yeah, well, and luckily we had a friend that helped us carry it because it was heavy. Yeah, that was rough. We just need to put wheels on the bottom of our thing I and know. it'll be fine. So in general, if you're thinking of doing a performance, try to think outside the box. What can you do to make it interesting and different? You know, stay true to what you want to do, but what can you do to make it your own? So if somebody else does show up and does something with a similar concept or does the exact same thing, What's going to make your version special and really stand out? And make sure that it's going to translate to your audience. That's always super important. But basically, you know, if you want to do something that's been done before, think about what you can do to make it unique and special. Is there something, a different song you could use? Is there a different character you could use? Is there a different way you could portray this song? to make it different from what you've seen at other conventions. Especially if you have seasoned judges and seasoned or even judges that are seasoned competitors, there's a really good chance if you do something that is popular that's been done before that they have seen it. You definitely want your performance to stand out in their mind as being something extra special. And so it's not one of those things where you know, maybe you go on stage and they're like, oh, this again. But then at the end of them, they're like, wow, that was amazing. I love when that happens. Yes. That's my favorite when I'm like, oh, it's going to be that skit again. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, it's not. This is great. If you have any other performance questions, feel free to email or DM us. We are hoping to do a performance panel in the future. It just hasn't happened yet. Because COVID. Because COVID. Hopefully we can do that at some point in time here and actually show y'all some of the stuff that we're talking about. 
Yeah, it's been a long time since we've been able to do any type of, even whenever we did it as part of our regular masquerade panel, it's been a long time since we've been able to do that in person. I guess then if you all want to see us do the panel thing in person, you're going to have to come hang out with us at Anime Fusion because so far that's the only place we know we're going <laughs> in 2021. It's well, a start. <laughs> it's a start. It's somewhere to start. It'll just keep getting bigger if, <laughs> as it ends up being the only convention we go to. Yeah, we're going to have to put two years worth of stuff we wanted to do into one con. I know, because now um, C2E2 is doing a thing that may prevent us from being able to go. By the time this airs, they may have like solved that issue, but they're currently doing a subscription service that gives you early access to badges for C2E2. So you pay $99 for this subscription to their online content to get early access to their badges. So we don't know if we'll be able to get badges this year or not. Yep. Which is a bit of a bummer. Everything happens for a reason and it'll be what it'll be. So it'll work out or it won't. Well, they'll just have to hire us again and then we can just go. Yeah. I mean, that's cool too. Read Pop Y. <laughs> Read Pop Y. Can't remember the last time I said that. I know, right? It's, <laughs> it's been a while. Well, friends, it's been fun. Hopefully, we will be able to perform in front of a live audience soon. But until then... I'm Ash. I'm Al. We are Lobby Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. You've been listening to Shit Cosplayers Say, an LVC production. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story, absurd cosplay question, or just something in general to share with us? Email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.